Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to The Debrief from the Business of Fashion, where each week we go deep on our most popular BOF professional stories with the correspondents who created them. I'm Lauren Sherman. Have you ever shopped on DHgate? It's a Chinese website that connects shoppers to manufacturers who sell knockoffs of designer goods like Gucci slippers or Louis Vuitton handbags for a tenth of the price. But while fakes of the past were so bad you could spy one from a mile away, Today's counterfeit items are sophisticated in make and design and easier to access via the internet. In fact, a growing number of consumers are shopping for counterfeit luxury goods online. In a June survey conducted by the European Union Intellectual Property Office, more than 50% of consumers between the ages of 15 and 24 said they had purchased at least one counterfeit product online in the last 12 months. The total value of counterfeit and pirated goods will hit $3 trillion this year, triple the amount in 2013, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. What's driving the demand, and what are fashion brands doing to protect themselves against counterfeiters? Today, retail correspondent Kathleen Chen is here to discuss her recent piece, Why Luxury's Counterfeit Problem is Getting Worse. Kat, thank you so much for joining me once again on The Debrief. Of course. It's my pleasure. And we always have a lot of fun. So I was so excited to discuss the story because counterfeiting is a sort of perennial issue for brands, especially luxury brands. And it's been an issue for decades, going back to probably like the 60s and 70s. And I remember in high school, I bought a Kate Spade bag on eBay that was definitely counterfeit, but no one at my high school knew what Kate Spade was, so I didn't care. But I remember going to New York City when I was in middle school and seeing the counterfeits on the corner. And there was something like a little bit luxurious about them. As I got older and started writing about this industry, things changed. But in recent years, it's actually escalated. Can you talk a bit about what's happening in that corner of the market? I think the boom that we're seeing now really started in the past two years, so since the pandemic. And it started with this boom in e-commerce overall. And so a lot of the counterfeiting activity that's happening today, or at least the, the activity that's driving the sort of surge, are these websites that have become extremely popular. Essentially, they connect Western consumers to manufacturers in China. So two examples are DHgate and AliExpress. 
basically it's like the Silk Road, like the dark website that you can get, you know, whatever you want. This is sort of the same where if you know the right keywords to type into these platforms, it'll pull up dozens and dozens of options, different manufacturers that you can go with to get a counterfeit for like a nice, let's say Gucci bag that retails at $3,000 on DHK, it would be under a hundred. And during the pandemic, what I had heard from consumers, these are upwardly mobile, solid middle-class, upper middle-class working women in their thirties. They just got bored and they had heard about these websites before and they were like, why not try it out? And so that's sort of what kicked off this wave. And and there's definitely the way that I've seen it. There's a word of mouth phenomenon where one friend in a friend group gets something fake and then everybody else in that friend group will want to try it out too. And the quality is pretty good, right? I, I had a friend who was a designer for Lee and Fung for many years, and she worked on really cool projects with them. And she would go to Asia constantly to check out factories. And I remember her buying, I'm not going to say the brand, but a fake of a brand. The fake was manufactured in the same factory as the brand stuff. And so she bought it for, I don't know, 150 bucks or something. And it was this beautiful bag. She was so proud of it. I'd say that's not the vibe that you got for many years on Canal Street. But now it feels like once again, like this stuff is decent quality, at least. And it's becoming almost a different kind of cachet or For sure. I mean, the quality is way better, Um, even if it's a manufacturer that isn't directly related to the brand. They're able to look at the original and replicate it really well. A lot of that is that the manufacturing and expertise in China has just gotten so advanced in the last 10 years. But, you know, I think the expert authenticators, the people who really know their product, they know the zipper, they know the feel of the fabric, they can still tell for sure. I was looking at a particular bag, the Prada Triangle bag, And I was comparing the two products just from images alone. And you can tell that the zipper is different because it's not wrapped in leather. And so there are still little details. I'm sure it's possible to find what they call the super fakes on these platforms, but it really, you have to find the right seller. And I think that can be pretty difficult. Got to have a lot of time on your head. So the other thing that you brought up that makes a lot of sense, but I had not really thought of was... Another thing driving this is the rising cost of luxury goods. Yes. So this was something that I really didn't think of either until I started speaking to these consumers. Now, this is anecdotal, but the three women that I spoke to, they're all in their 30s. They all own authentic luxury goods. And hearing their viewpoint on counterfeits was just, it was just so crazy to me. So pricing, I would say, is one of the factors. So all of these brands have been aggressively hiking up their prices. And I think at a certain point, the consumer just isn't willing to pay the price, especially on smaller pieces, like the low away white tanks and the Prada white tanks. Like that's a great example because I would really love one, but they're a thousand dollars. And it's for a tank top. The Prada white tank top is a thousand bucks. Yes, it's nine hundred ninety five. I Googled it before. It's definitely a lot cheaper in Europe for anyone listening because I almost (laughs) bought it. And I actually didn't like the fabric, the material. It's, It's a very dry cotton and it has an 
odd stretch to it. So I did not buy it, but I know it was much cheaper there. If any of our listeners are going to Europe and want the Prada tank top, go to Europe and buy it. (laughs) (laughs) The savvy advice from Lauren Sherman. (laughs) But yeah, I think there's just a level of consumer disillusionment. It's so expensive that it feels kind of silly to buy, even for those who can afford it. And on top of that, these brands are really just churning out products and pushing all these trends. And it's inescapable, right? Like through social media, everything has become hyper visible. And so it's not just women of a certain tax bracket living in metropolitan cities. It's everybody. Everybody is seeing the same content on Instagram and and it creates this sort of like, well, they have it, so I should have it. And there's so many trends where like everything is cool and every single one of us need all of these things, the bags, the shoes, the sunglasses, like the Miu Miu skirt. For two weeks, we couldn't escape the Miu Miu skirt. It was everywhere. And, And so I think there's just a sense of like consumer alienation with luxury goods where it's like you're super close to it, but at the same time, it's extremely inaccessible. And so there's definitely like discomfort in that way. And then I was also reading this Harvard Business Review article about counterfeiting from a couple years ago. And the writer made a really good point about the quality of products. All the authenticators I spoke to mentioned this point, which is that the quality of a lot of these ultra high end luxury products have declined in the past 10 years because they've outsourced parts of their production to China. Meanwhile, prices have just totally skyrocketed, right? And so I think the quality issue is also something that drives consumers away. I would say the fourth point is just that the stigma is gone. Like if you go on TikTok and you search DHgate, it's all these like young influencer types really proudly showing off their hauls. I think that's a major change from like even 15 years ago, like on Sex and the City and Samantha had her fake Fendi bag and like Carrie was all high and mighty about wanting the real thing. And I think that whole mindset of, well, I want the real thing because I have integrity. I think a lot of counterfeit can consumers and especially these younger kids, they find that a little cringe, a little chuggy, if I may. (laughs) Chuggy. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it kind of brings me to the next point, which is how bad or good is this for luxury brands? Because that's sort of something that in the last almost 20 years that I've been covering this business, which is so insane, but that has always been the question does it amplify and bring brand awareness to people who may not be able to afford a lot anyway, but it gets them closer to it and it makes them understand it. So if they can't afford it, they'll buy it. Or is it eating into the real sales of these companies? And I don't want to get into secondhand in in this pod because that's a whole another kettle of fish, but it's the same kind of question. Like, is this good for the brands or bad for the brands? Did you find any data showing whether or not it's eating into luxury sales? All I know is that it hasn't hurt these brands at all in terms of their bottom line because these brands just continue to kill it quarter after quarter. Their growth hasn't slowed down. The profit margins have totally increased If the objective of the carings and MHs of the world is to sustain double-digit growth, 
they can totally ignore what's happening with counterfeits because they're achieving that objective. Beyond that, do I think one day the counterfeit market could not only grow to the size, but be so normalized that it would be a concern for luxury brands? I'm not sure because I do think that the rise of resale will also play a role with curbing counterfeits. Like if these luxury brands really fully embraced resale in like a big way, the way that like BMW does certified pre-owned BMWs, then maybe the counterfeit market would be curbed and they would get a piece of that pie. But so far they don't need that pie. They're doing great on their own. Yeah. And the pendulum of culture always swings the other way. From my generation, we grew up on Sex and the City. So I was in college, I think, or high school when Sex and the City started. So there is a, a stigma still around fakes. Not for everyone, but none of my friends would buy them. But it's interesting. I bought a pair of Manola Blahnik shoes on the Real Real the other day, and they just didn't fit the way that size typically fits me. And I looked down at the tag and I was like, oh my God, are these fake? So I compared them to my one other pair of Manola Blahnik and I think that they are real. They look like they're good quality and everything. And the label is exactly the same, but I did think about it for a minute. It was interesting because I'm sure that's the other thing is like a lot of those resale websites are selling fakes as reels and it's a mess. Totally. It, it's much more of an existential threat to resale than it is to the brands themselves, because it's the reputation of these secondhand platforms if their consumers get fakes. And the, the authenticators that work at these platforms, they're just getting more and more sophisticated and being able to weed out the counterfeits. But at the same time, so are the counterfeiters. So we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, but when we return, Kat's going to explain what luxury brands are doing to fight back against fakes. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to The Debrief. Kat, you explained why this market is booming, what are brands doing or what can they do to sort of fight it? Brands are able to authenticate their pieces in-house through a couple of, of different ways. They chip the products. There's RFID tags. That's radio frequency identification. There are barcodes. I think the common ones are like chipped. And, and so they can totally recognize when an item is fake, if it's brought back for returns or if it's brought back for repair, they'll be able to verify that. 
I think department stores and multi-brand retailers will have maybe a harder time because they don't have that sort of technology. This is actually a huge point of friction among resale authenticators is that luxury brands have gotten very sophisticated at tagging their products or identifying their products in a way where they'll know for sure whether it's theirs or not. But all of that is not made available to resellers. I I think that's a really interesting dynamic that's playing out because ultimately it's the resellers that suffer the most from counterfeiting. Blockchain is definitely a super promising technology. LVMH, Prada, and Richemont got together last year on this blockchain concept where basically it would be a tamper-proof ledger for them to go in and, and show the supply chain and the transfer of ownership But still, I think, again, that pain point for resellers is that even though this blockchain exists, if that luxury product ends up in the secondary market and there's a second seller, that seller wouldn't have access to that blockchain. So right now it's very sort of singular and there's definitely a movement to make it sort of more universal. But that means that luxury brands have to all co-opt into the world of resale, which they haven't done yet. So is anything really working to minimize this? Or or did you see any interesting tricks from bigger or smaller brands? I do think, and this is something that I've heard, that there's a lot of litigation that we don't know of. Litigation to shut websites down behind the scenes. But one really funny thing about DHgate is that When you look up an item, the logos are blurred. Let's say you are looking for a fake Vuitton Neverfull bag. You never search the brand, by the way. You always have to search these like keywords. And so you would search something like monogram leather tote bag. And then there are these listings, these thumbnails of photos. And you're like, oh yeah, that's it. But then you click on the photo and you look more clearly. Every single LV monogram is blurred out. It's very clever, but but I think because of that, it's difficult for brands to take legal action against DHgate. And they do that with every single brand. We were talking a bit prior to recording the ethical implications of this. Like, should consumers feel in the same way that it's sort of shameful in certain circles to shop fast fashion now should consumers feel ashamed of doing this not only because it's like uncouth but because it's ethically fringy what do you think about that what are you seeing about the ethics around this are people talking about that because you know 10 or 15 years ago a lot of it was about how fakes are connect to money laundering and funding really bad bad stuff in developing countries This is what I'll say. My opinion about purchasing a fake, a dupe, has totally changed after speaking to these consumers. Ethically, I think the biggest issue is a matter of supply chain. You don't know the conditions of who's creating these products. This is the same criticism for fast fashion companies. There's the issue of IP, who deserves what based on the creative work that they've done. And I think these are really valid things. But at the end of the day, you look at the profit margins of these luxury brands and and, and just, just how successful that they've been. And I think it's very hard for 
consumers to feel guilty, especially these like consumers who talk about late capitalism. There's this sense, there's this ideology of like, I guess, stealing from the rich. And there's a sense of rebellion even that I think is very prevalent among consumers. And I honestly kind of, I get it. Lauren, what do you think? It's complicated. I don't know. I haven't done enough research on it recently about the counterfeiting business. It seems like it's more direct to consumer than it used to be. It's not as much of the Canal Street stuff, even though that is alive and well. Every time I go to New York City, I remember that. But it was passing through a different set of hands. And now it's coming directly from the factory or DH gate, which whatever it is, it's a public entity. It's not like when you go to Canal Street, you know the name of the company that you're getting that bag from or that that shipped that bag to the US. So I think it does provide a little more transparency, but in the same way that you can say that you're anti-fast fashion, but you really don't know where anything is made or produced or how it's produced. And so, as as we know, so many very expensive brands are produced in the same factories as very cheap brands. And like you were saying, the quality of luxury goods has has gone downhill in many cases. A lot of luxury brands produce everything in Asia and then ship it to Italy or France to assemble it, which I personally don't have an issue with that as a consumer, but yeah, I think it's complicated. And the thing that really struck me about your piece was the immediacy of buying the stuff now. And also because of that immediacy, I think that's part of the reason that it's become almost cool because the other big thing is no one wants to overspend. It's not cool to, I mean, for some people it is, but for a lot of people, I'd say, especially people who are in the sort of entry level of the luxury industry, they love to brag that they got stuff on sale or on the real real or whatever. So it's very complex, but I thought that the great thing about your piece was it really sort of framed it up in the modern context. And it will be interesting. The the one other question I have for you is the RFID tags and, and the blockchain stuff, blockchain stuff is untraceable, et cetera. But years ago, the RFID stuff, a lot of people were concerned that consumers would be uncomfortable with that because it's essentially something following you around as well or tracking you. I have a feeling that given everything that's happened in the last 10 years, it's probably not as big of an issue as it was in maybe 2014. But I am curious, like, did that come up at all in your reporting? No, I think RFID is also one of those things where like the tag on it is very specific to whoever created it. So even if you had an RFID scanner, something that's able to pick up on a signal, that signal isn't necessarily legible. But I I think you're right. Like people just don't care about privacy. I mean, they're, you know, walking around with smartphones, it means we have dozens of these data miners or whatever tracking your location at, at all times. But the one thing that I also really wanted to share, Lauren, was something that Monica Aurora, who's the woman behind Purse Bop, I don't know if you've ever talked to her, but she loves handbags. She runs this blog and it's been around for many years. And she made a really great point, which is that 10, 15 years ago, If you're a 20-something professional woman living in New York City, 
it's very feasible to save up money for a $1,000 bag or a $2,000 bag or even a $3,000 bag. Chanel's today cost eight to $10,000. And so for a woman who makes even 100K in New York City, that's like a huge chunk of cash. There's a quote in my story that we we did keep it where this woman was like, yeah, we're going to scam. Like we're going to scam because we can't afford rent. We can't afford health insurance. And like, why not? Just like go for it. I don't know if it's political, but it, it's definitely the consumer zeitgeist right now. Yeah. Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun. I feel like we could talk about it for another hour, but I hope you keep covering this market and I can't wait to talk to you the next time when you discuss the next phase of this. Yeah, for sure. It was my pleasure, Lauren. Thanks so much. Be sure to check out Kat's article, Why Luxury's Counterfeit Problem is Getting Worse at businessoffashion.com. The link to this and other articles available to BOF professional subscribers only is also in the show notes. You've been listening to The Debrief, produced and edited by Emma Clark, Kate Barton, Eric Bria, and Georgie Rutherford in the BOF studio. I'm Lauren Sherman, and I'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for joining us, and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.